We spend so much time talking about the majority of the members of the Iron Five, Armando Baycott, Brady Manick, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, but I feel like Leaky Black is the overlooked, underappreciated, undervalued asset of those five. And so today, we're flipping that script, and today on Locked on Tar Heels is our ode to Leaky Black, plus my first ever conversation with Locked on's brand new college football recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr., all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, April 15th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heel site. And it's a great day to be together. The end of the week, it's been a good week. We've got some, some good news for Tar Heel basketball, some not so good news for Tar Heel basketball, and we anticipate a good deal more. Well, I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for making it your first watch today as well. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and smash the like button. If you're listening, just remember you can find Locked on Tar Heels and subscribe to it anywhere that you get podcasts. Well, as I said, today is all about Leaky Black, the the Locked on Tar Heels ode to Leaky. And uh, with that in mind... One of the things I did earlier this week is we, as as a show, as Locked on Tar Heels, reached out on Twitter and said, hey, we're working on something for later in the week for Leaky Black, and we would love to hear your thoughts on why you want Leaky to come back. And the, the response was overwhelming. So many people said things, made comments, retweeted, did all this stuff. And so I'm going to take some time to read some of those today, but also several of those came together into a little ditty that I wrote. And uh, it might be awesome, it might be awful, but you know what? We're going to sing an ode to Leaky Black right here, our first ever time doing music on Locked on Tar Heels. So bear with me and let's do this together. Please come back Leaky Black All the Tar Heels need you To be that lockdown ball defender Make them all look like pretenders Darion Sebron, you know he gone Kihei Clark is off the mark Michael Devo, where did he go? AJ Griffin, he is whiffing Twice, Buddy Bayheim ain't no primetime. Hunter Couture, he don't want more. Caleb Houston, he is useless. Johnny Juzang, he is losing. So here's your chance, Leaky Black, to grab that NIL bag. Show them all just what you're worth. The best Swiss Army knife on earth. Justin Lewis, that was cute, but bro, you just can't really shoot. Dougie Eddard wasn't better. Take your mustache, go somewhere. I feel bad for all these guys because they just have to compromise. They want to score, but they just can't because Leaky Black's got other plans. Leaky Black's the best defender. There is no other contender. When you're 
Show the voters that was whack to not select you or elect you. Why they gotta disrespect? Like the blocks, they like the steals. I guess they just can't see what's real. They chose Mark Williams, that was swell. That dookie, he can go to heck. <laughs> so please come back, leaky black. Oh, the Tar Heels need you to be that lockdown ball defender. Make them all look like pretenders. Oh. <laughs> there you go. That is the Locked on Tar Heels owed to Leaky Black and all the defensive work he did. Obviously, Leaky is so much more than a defender, but that's the point of that song is to just shine a light on the magnificence that is Leaky Black the Defender and just have a little bit of fun, poking fun at some of the dudes that he shut down this year and put in Leaky Lockdown. That was incredible. And so, very very seriously, I, I, I joke about that, but man, it would be so helpfully critical for Leaky Black to be back in Chapel Hill next season. Now, by all accounts we've been hearing, it sounds like he's leaning back towards that. We heard that from Candace Cooper earlier in the week, that it, it looks like he he is part of that group of, of the four remaining uh, with eligibility from, from the Iron Five who wants to come back and to be part of doing something again. And let me tell you, I don't think it can be understated what an asset Leaky Black is for, for Coach Hubert Davis. We're going to talk about some of his statistical things that he overwhelmingly does here in just a second. But just on while we're talking about defense, his ability to just go out night after night after night and almost without exception, other than the national championship game, stay away from foul trouble... And, and just completely erase and wipe out another team's best scoring option or best facilitator when it comes to Virginia and Kihei Clark. That's what Leakey does, and it's almost like an afterthought. You don't even have to think about it because at some point last season, he just flipped this switch, and it was like ball game, lights out, Leakey Black wins, and everyone else loses. And then when he's able to do that, to, to shut down A.J. Griffin in back-to-back victories over Duke, a big, huge part of those wins over Duke is because A.J. Griffin's taken out of the game. Yeah, Paolo Bancaro's going to get some of his. Trevor Keels is going to get some of his. Wendell Moore's going to get some of his. But A.J. Griffin is not. And that's what Leaky Black is able to do, is really, just really defensively change the entire tenor of the game. And that is what he could bring back to Chapel Hill for the entirety of the 2022-23 season. We saw that in essentially the last two-thirds of this season where Leakey just really started taking over. But but now that you've seen it to the level that it can be, just imagine a full year's worth of that where you just say, I don't really care who another team's best defender is because one through four, Leakey can take that person out of his game. And that, friends, is phenomenal. Now, in just a moment, we're going to talk more about what what Leakey did this past year statistically. Not, not everything he did statistically, but just some of the things that he did to really set himself apart. And, and again, I, I don't want to just dwell on what he's done defensively. I, I want to showcase 
uh, a lot of the breadth of what he's able to do. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, brownie batter puffs, and new, while supplies last, is caramel almond delight. These are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make these bars taste delicious first and then they come back later to figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you're going to be blown away. These bars are high in protein, low in calories, high in fiber, and low carbs. For example, most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, but yet 17 grams of protein. Compared to a normal candy bar, it's got like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. By the way, as we get back into this, uh, I, I know everyone is still reveling in, in the great news about Armando Baycott returning. If you didn't have an opportunity to watch his video uh, announcing his return, let me just say a couple things about it. First off, if you didn't already know he was coming back, when you first watched that video, it's like, uh, Armando's gone. He's not coming back. Just made it seem that way from this video. But as he got a little bit further into it and talking, it, it was obvious that he was actually declaring that he was coming back. But I felt this, and I, I've heard from a lot of you, my wife, who you know doesn't even dial in all that closely, was like, everyone is emotional about this just because of the Carolina family aspect of it. The Ar Armando Baycott is just, from day one, do you remember what a recruiter he was even before he got on campus when he was still at IMG, just trying to get everyone in because he knew already what a special place Carolina is and wanted others to be part of that. And now that he's deciding to come back for one more go at that before he goes off to be an alumni and pour back into the younger kids like he was talking about, boy, that just brought all the feels. I don't know about you, but I was there. Okay. Let's get back to, to talking about Leaky Black. Aside just from, from the shutting down that he did of other opponents, which we could camp out on just that alone for an entire episode, I want to look at some of the other statistical things that Leaky did that, that you might not have even realized what a high level he was to help the team. So, for example, if you had to guess who was the highest percentage free throw shooter on the team of, of people that took a lot of free throws. So let's say 30 or more. Who would you guess? I would have gone with Caleb Love. Do you know who it is? I'm guessing you can guess because it's who we're talking about today. Leaky Black. Of every player on the team that had 30 or more free throw attempts, Leaky Black had the highest percentage at 86.8%. Yeah, 86.8%. That is real good, and contributed to Carolina's incredible free throw shooting as a team this year. And so can you imagine if Leakey and Caleb and RJ all run that back? Boy, going to continue that great free throw shooting. Or 
you know, when, when we think about distributing the ball and and hanging on to the ball, like that dichotomy, that leads us to think about assist to turnover ratio. And usually when we think about that, we think of the backcourt and all the great things the backcourt is able to do. But you know what? Leakey, along with RJ and Caleb, was one of three Tar Heels this year to have 100 plus assists. But here's getting into the numbers a little more. Leakey was the only Tar Heel with a qualifying number to have a, a 2.0 or better assist to turnover ratio. In fact, it was quite a bit higher than that. Leakey finished with the 2.8 assist to turnover ratio. RJ had a 1.9, so close to that 2.0 threshold, and Caleb was down at 1.3. So the only Tar Heel at all, period, regardless of how many assists or turnovers they had, uh, above two was Puff Johnson. He had a 3.7, but he only had 11 assists and three turnovers. Really small sample size. It is a great sign for what Puff Johnson can bring in the future. But not only is Leaky Black bringing his defense, leading... Uh, leading the way in free throw shooting, he's got the best assist to turnover ratio on the team and, and very close to the same as total assist numbers as, as the backcourt. That is really, really impressive. I'm just carrying on with these numbers from Leakey. He's third on the team in steals last year. He was third on the team in blocks, only one of three players with double digits. The other two are Armando Baycott and Brady Manick, and he was only one behind Brady Manick. Leakey is able to do things when, when you think of what the big men inside can do. Leakey's right there, matching up with them. When you think about the, the intangibles and the things that the backcourt and the guards bring, Leakey's right there doing it with them as well. So again, it's not just defense. It's what he's able to, to do in a, in a very Danny Green sort of way to stuff the stat sheet. Because let's not forget, Leakey's been a little... I don't know if I'd say uncomfortable or uncertain in his shot, but he's often hesitant to pull the trigger, especially from outside. But he hit some really big shots in big games. Uh, had those multiple threes in the final four. Like, come on. That's incredible. Now, is he going to do that game in and game out? Probably not. But he can, and he's capable of it. Um, Leakey's so athletic that he can essentially get to the rim at will. I'd, I'd honestly love to see him get north and south like that more often and have some vicious dunks. I, I feel, I've often felt like Leakey could dunk harder and with more authority than he does, and I would love to see it. So, that's just a little bit of an overview. Obviously, there's more we could say, but do you see all these incredible things that Leakey Black contributes to this team in an under-the-radar sort of way. And so because of that, I really wanted the Tar Heel family to appreciate all the more what he brings. And so as I said off the top, I reached out to, to ask the Carolina family to just send some, some reasons, some thoughts behind why they wanted Leaky Black to come back to Chapel Hill. And I would love to read all of these but there was some 60 or 70 responses of people saying why they wanted Leaky Black to come back to Chapel Hill. So I just pulled out five of them to be representative of the group. And I'll read those to you and I'll give shout outs to the people on Twitter who sent them as well. So the first one that I want to read is from Jeffrey Donaldson. This is at Jeffrey underscore D underscore two underscore me. And Jeffrey says this, quote, I want RMB 
Rayshon Malik Black, to come back because he teaches entitled UNC fans to be better fans. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, is, is, you know, a fan base that so often is used to people scoring at will and doing all these things, and that's what makes uh, the best players. But you have to have this... Um, you know, not everybody can be an eyeball. Not everybody can be an ear. You need people that do a lot of the smaller little things that go underappreciated, and that's what Leaky does. And so I just pulled that out from Jeffrey because I thought it was spot on because the his contributions and what he does so well helps teach fans how to be better basketball fans and appreciate things they might not otherwise see. All right, here's the second one. This is from DJ Droog at Droog, D-R-O-O-G underscore DJ. And he says this about Leaky. Quote, he is an example to all younger players of the difference a lockdown defender can make. He might not be the flashly, flashiest part of a team, but is vital to a championship run. He has filled this role better than any player I can remember and has done so with humility, end quote. Man, that's that's great there from DJ Drew. Like, just, again, pointing out everything Leaky has been able to do. He does so very humbly, not calling attention to himself, just going out and doing his job. And that's super refreshing. And, and I love that uh, DJ pointed this out. All right, here's the third one. This is from Rick at Ahir, A-H-I-R, Rick. And he says, quote, Leaky appears to be the glue that held the Carolina team together. His he has unmatched defensive tenacity and grit. He has the intangibles that can change the game in ways that don't always show up on the stat sheet, and I would add, or in the bigger box score either. And so, yeah, he is this, this glue that even though he's not being an insanely verbal captain, he has this maturity and IQ to his game as, as an elder statesman that that allows the Tar Heels to gel. He allows the team to calm down. He'll take somebody under his wing, do all those things. And, and I love what Rick said there about the tenacity and the grit that, that Leakey has to his defense. These intangibles that can change the game in uncharted ways. I love that. All right, number four of these quotes that pulled out. This is from Seth Taylor, at Seth underscore Taylor. He says, quote, I want to see more top college basketball players get stranded on Leaky Island, end quote. And again, remember, these are the reasons people want Leaky to come back. And so that's what Seth is saying. Seth is spot on with this. Man, it's just, it's so fun. Like, I take such perverse joy in it as somebody covering Carolina, just watching game after game, Leaky put people on Leaky Island. It, it's almost like, you remember Revis Island uh, from the NFL? It's like, that's what Leaky's doing. Just He's not a cornerback like Darrell Revis was, but just this wing who can guard one through four. Remember, we, we've talked about, he guarded Kihei Clark in the ACC tournament game against Virginia, 5'10", and then uh, the game before had been guarding Paolo Bancaro, 6'10", one of the top three picks probably in this year's NBA draft. No big deal. He's guarding all that. And then our final one, I love this one. I love just the imagery of this one. This comes from David Hill, who is at Golfin Preacher on Twitter. And he says, the, again, the reason he wants Leaky to come back is, quote, Leaky is malware. <laughs> he infects the entire operating system of the opposite team. End quote. And listen, that is both hilarious and very true. It makes me think of that Virginia game. Is he infiltrated Kihei Clark who is the 
instigator of the Virginia offense and didn't let him get things going. And so Leakey infected the entire operating system, as, as Golf and Preacher says here, of the opposing team and just shuts them down so that they're not capable to do anything. Virginia is already offensively charged. They had a very anemic uh, offensive capability this year, and he just made it even worse in that ACC quarterfinal game because of what he did. And so, hey, thanks to you five that I named. Thanks to everyone else who who sent these um, quotes and these ideas about Leaky. These hashtags uh, seem to be doing well, and so we, we need to do more of those. Maybe we can have like hashtag Wednesday where uh, the show asked for you to send in a hashtag or something and we do it. We're going to have to think about that. That would be awesome. And so we're going to switch now from basketball to football. As you recall, last Saturday was Carolina's spring football game where uh, Carolina had a lot of recruits there. And so a lot of people have asked through the years like, hey, how impactful is it for a recruit to go to something like the spring football game? Because it's it's such less fanfare than, than going on a fall Saturday. It's, it's just such a different environment. Is it impactful? Is it meaningful? What's the scoop there? Well, good news, friends. As I mentioned earlier, the Locked On Network has a new college football recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr. John comes straight to Locked On from Sports Illustrated. He's still working for SI, but he's also working for Locked On. We have a great relationship between our two companies. And so John just provides some really great insight into those questions about spring football games and recruits and, and even gives some examples of who some of those recruits he's really keeping an eye on are. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, here it is, my interview with John Garcia Jr. I am joined now by John Garcia Jr., recruiting insider for Sports Illustrated and now part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is such a joy to have somebody of his caliber as part of this network, lending more legitimacy and more intel to everything that you're getting here on Locked On Tar Heels. John, thank you so much for being here. Looking forward to talking some recruiting with you today. Absolutely, Isaac. Uh, always a pleasure uh, talking ball with you guys. And, and yeah, there's there's plenty to talk about on all fronts, it seems, these days. <laughs> yes, literally moments before John and I hopped on this, Dawson Garcia from basketball announced his transfer. Armando Baycott announced he's coming back to Carolina. So we have to unpack that. Uh, that'll be another part of the show. But today, <laughs> right now, we're talking football. And so... As you know, Carolina had their spring football game this past Saturday. And John, one of the questions I often get asked is this, how important is being part of an event like that to a recruit? Well, it's huge. You know, if you go by the calendar, it's really the first time in the entire year where kids can get, first of all, a total assembly of the current Tar Heel product, coaching staff included. But then of course, for the spring game, you get the fans, you get the whole experience of what, you know, a game at Canaan could look like. It's obviously mm -hmm. not the full product, but it's a partial product. And it does tell a tale 
this time of year. And most kids go to multiple spring games. So you start to compare and contrast and, and go from there. But, you know, Carolina was able to host a, a huge group of visitors for last weekend's spring game. And that alone said a lot. I counted, Isaac, more than 50 spring games going on in college football last week. And this weekend's got 50 more. So picking one to go to was not easy for any kid, regardless of location. So I thought getting that type of group of visitors on campus was a really big deal for any school, especially North Carolina. For you, as someone who sees a lot of these spring games, does it feel like Carolina is doing their spring games well? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think, you know, from a from a production or a pageantry standpoint, you get a whole lot of variance between a lot of the spring games. I think it's more about reps and trying to simulate as many game day like situations as possible. And obviously, Mac Brown has been doing this uh, about <laughs> as long as I've been alive. So or maybe longer. So, you know, he knows exactly what he wants this time of year. There's that that kind of blend you look for. Right. Obviously, Sam Howell, that group is, has moved on. So you do want to find out what you have, but only to a certain point. So I think from a production standpoint, I thought the way they distributed the reps between the quarterbacks was solid uh, and kind of standard operating procedures this time of year. But, you know, it, it's really hard to find that, that perfect format. I don't know if it exists, but I think the way Carolina has been conducting it has, has gone really well. And recruits are saying as much as well. Interesting. You touched on Mac Brown. I'd like to ask you something about that. What is the difference for a recruit in coming to a spring game versus a fall game in terms of access to the coaching staff or the players already on campus? This is a great question. You you get so much more time in the spring. There is no opponent. There is nothing to game plan for. You're not in touch with the medical staff wondering, hey, can, can number 12 go? Can he go for me today? You don't have to do all those checks and balances and mix in some recruiting for, for a 12 p.m. kick, you know, like, like you have to do in the fall. So the spring affords you so much more flexibility. Kids can come for the entire day. There's no win-loss factor that dampens or enlightens the entire mood of everybody in town. If you lose a game, you know, in September, maybe Mac Brown doesn't want to see 50 recruits in his <laughs> office. Maybe he's like, give me the two most important and, and let's get out of here. But in a spring game atmosphere, it becomes almost a weekend of festivities and it gives you much more time to get one-on-one -on -one time with the head coach of a major college football program. And that's just something that we don't see really at all in the fall, other than the true priority guys, the biggest name kids. And even then, it's probably for 10 or 15 minutes. And in the spring, it's just much more of a wide-open schedule. But you do get some of those game elements from a fan and, and, and observer perspective as well. So it's kind of a nice blend, and it's much more casual, which most recruits and their families appreciate. Absolutely. That's really interesting. Now, for Carolina, you referenced Sam Howe. They, they're looking to replace a quarterback. They're also brand-new defensive coordinator, brand-new defensive scheme. So, so what is the message when you get recruits on campus as you're trying to replace a, a, the greatest quarterback, arguably, in Carolina history, and starting from scratch on the other side of the ball? Well, you just sell the transition. You know, You sell it with a combination of we're transitioning on the field, but up top, it's still Mac Brown. It's stability. It's something that you know what you're going to get. And after last year with the coaching carousel, that sells a lot of high school coaches, a lot of parents, you know, because it's not just the kids making these decisions. They're worried about that stability and that structure at the very top of a program. So you can sell the new elements and X's and O's of what you are aspiring towards while also saying, hey, but remember, it's still Carolina. It's still Mac Brown. Things are going to be run the same way at the very top. So you can kind of sell 
the best of both worlds. And, and I think the spring game setting affords you the opportunity to show tangibly, hey, like this is what we think you can do. Watch number 15 on these defensive snaps. And that's how we envision using you for the next four years. It's a little bit easier to communicate, especially again with, with a teenage demographic. Yeah, man, that's great insight. And so speaking of this teenage demographic, John, before I let you go, I'd love to hear um, some of these recruits that were in Chapel Hill last weekend that you have your eyes on. Well, the one who's making the decision is is tonight, Michael Doherty. Uh, He's picking, I mean, it's a bigger group of schools, but really it's between Carolina and LSU. LSU had a lot of buzz going into this past week, but he came to Carolina, took the official visit, which is now 48 hours on campus, and really is feeling the love. I mean, his his family was tweeting out all these videos and things like that. So there's certainly a, a chance, a feeling like, hey, maybe Carolina closed the gap here for the Georgia defensive back recruit. Uh, two others, um, you know, one from the state of Georgia, Jeremiah Talander. It was his first visit to Chapel Hill. Mm. Um, you know, and and he's kind of getting progressed down the line in terms of his decision making as well. He's got a top group of schools that Carolina was already in. And now, obviously, when you see campus and all of that, you get a little bit more foundation going into into that uh, decision-making process. So critical to get that first visit out of the way. Uh, and then an offensive lineman, Madden Sanker, uh, hadn't visited before either. He was able to, to get on campus, and he's been, like, everywhere over the last few weeks. So, again, <laughs> to get a kid like that who's coveted coast-to-coast to pick your spring game over the ability to do so at, at literally 49 other schools – says a lot about where people feel like Carolina is in the running for, for big-time recruits and overall. So I think real positive impressions for all three of them, and, and Carolina is going to be in the mix until each of them makes a decision. Love to hear that. That's great news. Tar Heel family out there listening. And by the time you're hearing this or watching it on Thursday, you probably already know what that decision is and if there's a new member in the Tar Heel family. John Garcia Jr., brother, thank you. It's great to have you on. Can't wait to talk to you often throughout this offseason talking about football recruiting. Sounds good, Isaac. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to John Garcia Jr. for joining me on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Stay tuned. Man, he gave such great insight, and he's going to be on as a regular staple on the show, giving us great insight into Carolina football recruiting. So you're going to want to tune in for that. But for now, this is the end of today's episode, the end of the week. Today's Friday, and so, man, it's been another great week on Locked on Tar Heels. And I'd love to ask you to go and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you rate and review the show? Give us five stars. Let us know why you like the show, what segments you like, and things of that nature. Follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnHeels, and you can follow me, at Isaac Shade. You can see it right there if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, I'll spell it for you, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Man. All right, coming up next week, it's going to be another great week. I've got an interview that's going to drop on Monday with North Carolina national champion runner-up Keyshawn Clark from the NCAA wrestling tournament. And then it's going to be just another really good week on on Locked on Tar Heels as we look at more basketball roster movement and get going further in in towards things going on with football and everything else. Other spring sports still going on, baseball, field hockey, etc. So stay tuned in for all of that. And now, since you've made Locked on Tar Heels your first listen, let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. 
Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending your week, spending part of your Friday, talking Carolina sports with me. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.